Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Richard Herring's Talking Cock podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Epinus Ode, um, A, Epinus, um, Dick Hard, Penising, Stalk, Ring, Cock, Rod, Mast. Yes, that's what all the cool kids are calling it, with that kind of inflection on it. This week we are looking at the subject of masturbation. Um, uh, time is a bit short, and so's my penis. Oh dear. So um, uh, I'm going to read a couple of emails later, uh, but uh, I'm going to read the masturbation chapter from my book, Talking Cock, which you can buy from www.gofasterstripe.com. Uh, it'd be lovely if you did. We printed up quite a lot and uh, haven't sold enough to make our money back. Uh, if you hate newfangled, old-fangled books, then it is going to come out on the Kindle at the end of May. Uh, but uh, to be honest, I won't get any of that money. I never got anywhere near getting my advance back. So it'd be much better if you bought the paper version, you know, and then you can... Otherwise, if you read it on the tube on the Kindle, people won't know how embarrassing you are being... Uh, I'll give you a little uh, cock fact from the book to kick us off about masturbation. In 1012, Burchard of Worms listed the required penitents for 194 different sexual sins. Those found masturbating were required to do penance of 20 days on nothing but bread and water. Masturbation with a sex aid, such as a hollowed out piece of wood or some device, received the same punishment, despite being naughty, surely. It should be another few days for that. To put that in context, wanking wasn't as bad as fornication with a nun, which would give you a 40-day penance. Small price to pay, in my opinion. But was worse than having doggy-style sex, which would get you a mere ten days. I think they should... That doggy-style sex is the worst kind of sin, pretending to be a dog. It doesn't say... Oh, doggy-style. Okay, yeah, that's fine. It doesn't say what would happen if you masturbated over a nun before having doggy-style sex with her. But my guess is you'd be on bread and water for at least 70 days. Though with a good defence, your punishments might be allowed to run concurrently. Anyway, the uh, chapter in Talking Cock about masturbation is called Shaking Hands with the Unemployed. It's chapter five. If you want to get your own copy and, and scan along with this, I will mess around a bit with it. And uh, But uh, it's like a talking book, which I never got to do with this. And yeah, in fact, if I just do enough of these, we might have the whole book done. We've already seen in this book how confusing the sexual feelings we develop around puberty can be. Luckily, it's not long before adolescents discover a way to channel them. We learn to bash the bishop, milk the one-eyed aphid, prime the spunk gun, choke the chihuahua, whittle the gut stick, or, as the disingenuous language of science would have it, masturbate. This is a book which celebrates the penis and a podcast which celebrates the penis, and masturbation is the ultimate cock celebration, one that can be enjoyed by any man, regardless of his sexual attractiveness, any time, any place, anywhere. It can turn any bedroom, toilet cubicle, hermit's cave or airing cupboard into a cock shrine. Given that there are, can't be a human being alive who hasn't at some point manipulated their own genitals for sexual pleasure, it's strange that we all, we all still use the terms wanker, tosser and python strangler in a pejorative sense. Most of us accept that we will not be sent as mad or blind or give us hairy palms and that it is a naturally fact, uh, an actual fact, a healthy and normal thing to do. So why do the negative connotations still persist and what is their source in the first place? Uh, perhaps the questionnaire, for which you can fill in at richardherring.com uh, and get, might get your answer in a forthcoming podcast, can put some insight into this. I asked men, as a child, were you, discovered, were you discouraged from masturbating? 15% uh, of men said they were, 85% no. Um, unsurprisingly, perhaps, older correspondents experienced more youthful chastisement. Only 10% of the under-20s admitted to having been discouraged, rising to 32.99% for the over-50s. 
uh, often from official sources. When I was a child, it was common knowledge it was bad for a boy to abuse himself. Blindness and hairy palms were only the start of it. But I was astonished when during my national service in the RAF in the late 50s, we trainee wireless fitters were assembled for a lecture on the dangers of self-abuse by the medical officer. Uh, someone else says, I recall archaic little pamphlets that had been printed during the war to encourage young boys to play manly sports rather than masturbate. I think you can do both. Uh, though whether it puts, you know, you shouldn't do it before a big fight, I don't know. These older men are not alone. Younger men also require, recall dire warnings of what would happen if they squeezed the salty salami. I was told that if you masturbate too much, you could get overly tired and not do well in school. And if you don't, though, you know, you'll be overly distracted and not do well in school. They said it was bad and you can get homosexual by doing it. I don't know who said that. I like the idea of being gay. I mean, if you get homosexual, you're going to be homosexual. Um, I thought that maybe it was wrong because if you weren't liked at school, people would call you a wanker. Parents, it seems, are uh, top of the anti-wank propaganda merchants. I remember lecture scenes. Once my mother sewed up the fly of my pyjamas. She was off her nut. Uh, parents tried to discourage the reading of dad's porn. Oh, the hypocrisy. Uh, they told me I'd go blind. It wasn't true. I just need very strong glasses. Uh, and as I discussed in the show, someone says uh, that uh, the mum told me that every time... I told them that... Not me. The mum told them that every time they masturbated, it made Jesus cry. Which I go into a little bit in the in the show. Which, if you can't catch it live, you've just recorded the DVD. So you can catch that on DVD from Go Faster Stripe. Um, unsurprisingly, religious con condemnation figured in the vast majority of responses to this question. The Catholic faith seemingly more disapproving than the other. I went to Catholic, Roman Catholic school where not only the teachers, but even the boys thought it was wrong. The boys used to say that your balls would not drop if you masturbated as the weight of semen pulled them down, which it will do if you never masturbate. It'll pull them right down to your ankles, and that is a scientific fact. For several years I masturbated only on Saturdays because I was sure that God would punish me with a bad mark in school if I'd masturbated the previous day. And after Saturday comes Sunday, so he couldn't punish me. It's a good theory. Uh, personally, I think God might have been clever enough to be able to see through that ruse and perhaps punish a Sunday transgression on a Monday. But then Sunday's a busy day for him, so he might have forgotten. That young log flogger, however, was not the only one who foresaw dire consequences for his masturbatory habits. Due to the fact that I was brought up in a very religious household, I thought that wanking would have serious and disastrous effects on the ones you love, e.g. car crash, etc. Once again, the penis becomes an object of totemistic power, perhaps aware of the wrath of God. I myself recall going through a difficult couple of months when I was about 13. I became, became convinced that the world would end if I masturbated 100 more times, although this did cause me to cut down temporarily to about eight times a day. I'm ashamed to say I put my own fleeting pleasure above the continuation of the human rates and race and carried on regardless. God in his wisdom saw fit to spare you all and not send in a flood of semen. Uh, I hope you can hear my cats meowing in the background there. One can't help thinking that over the years religious condemnation has just made people more aware of the practice of wanking. I was raised Catholic and chastisement came from all sides all the time so naturally it was all I could think about. Uh, these naughty vicars certainly know how to get us going and possibly themselves too. The next comments aren't untypical. The Catholic priest used to make me feel guilty in the confessional at church by making me explain in great detail what I did, whether I used pornography and what happened when I had an orgasm. What a pervert. As an enforced Catholic church girl in my youth, my priest uh, would talk to boys warning us we'd burn in hell. It didn't put us off. Besides, one of the lads had seen him doing it in the confessional. You may be surprised to learn that the Christian church and the Bible have very little to say on the whole subject of milking the cow with one udder. There's the case of Onan, the biblical character who famously spilled his seed on the ground and thus gave rise to the posh word for wanking, Onanism. This is how Genesis uh, puts it. 
And Judah said unto Onan, Go unto thy brother's wife and marry her, and raise up seed to thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his, and it came to pass when he went unto his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother, and the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. God doesn't like uh, see semen falling on the ground. Uh, mop it up in a handkerchief if you can. But most commentators agree that he probably wasn't masturbating at all. The most common reading of the relevant passage suggests that Onan was shagging the wife of his dead brother, Ur. I'm not I'm pausing there, that's his name, Ur. And merely withdrew at the last minute. Although God did uh, not approve of such wastage of sperm, I'd argue that Onan was being quite responsible. He could easily have shot his load inside his sister-in-law and left her to cope on her own with any resulting offspring. Instead, he did the honourable thing, curtailed his pleasure and just pulled out just in time, even being respectful enough to come on the ground rather than on the lady's belly. He didn't even wipe it on the curtains. To add insult to injury, he wasn't merely punished with death for his kindness. He's gone down in history as the biggest wanker of all time. It's time for a reappraisal. Onan was a great bloke. Please name your sons after him. Don't worry, it's not like they'll get teased or anything. No one reads the Bible anymore. While the church has always believed that every sperm was sacred and yet at the same time strangely evil, there are a few examples of explicit references to the dangers of, or dire consequences of masturbation. According to Thomas W. Lacker in the academic tome Solitary Sex, A Cultural History of Masturbation, before around 1712, nobody was very concerned about wanking at all. We've uh, seen it, it figured in the creation myths of early cultures, but to ancient Greeks and Romans it was such an act, seen as an activity that was not suited to a noble person, the humorous implication being that it was something one only did if you're unable to find a willing woman, or in the Greek's case, a young boy. Lacker argues that to Jews and Christians before the 18th century, masturbation was only ever mentioned as a very minor sin, the fear being that the narcissistic practice of making love to oneself might somehow inevitably lead to homosexuality, in the same way that many reactionaries argue today that marijuana use will result in eventual heroin addiction. addiction. Possibly priests didn't mention it for fear of putting ideas in people's heads. Maybe they realised there was no point in preaching against something that everyone did, but which had no witness. Apart from God, of course, and Jesus, who's looking there and weeping uh, as you do it. I'm not totally convinced by Lacker's arguments, as it's clear that the church has historically made people feel guilty for doing anything that was fun, especially if that fun involved the release of sperm. Friedman notes that there was a brief prevailing belief in the Middle Ages that sperm spilled through masturbating was used by Satan to impregnate women and create demons. Also equally worrying for the priesthood, priesthood was the fact that there was no jurisdiction over what sins people committed in their imaginations they tugged one off. If to commit adultery in your mind was an offence to God, then how would you feel about you conjuring up an orgy involving all the women folk in your village, as well as some of the livestock? For a priesthood that liked, that liked to control every aspect of people's lives, this freedom, as well as this implicit secrecy, must have been at least a worry. Lacker is certainly correct that it wasn't until the Enlightenment that the extreme anti-wanking propaganda that still resonates today became prevalent. Uh, I have to admit I was astonished to learn that it was once again supposedly liberal philosophers and scientists rather than religious zealots who transformed the five-knuckle shuffle into an energy-sapping, brain-rotting, sight-impairing malady. In the early 18th century, a tract was published in London, which, according to Lacker, not only named, but eventually invented a new disease and a new highly specific, thoroughly modern and nearly universal engine for generating guilt, shame and anxiety. The pamphlet was called Onania, <laughs> Onania maybe, although I quite like it being called Onania, Onania, or the heinous sin of self-pollution and all its frightful consequences in both sexes, considered spiritual and physical advice to those who have already injured themselves to this abominable practice and seasonable admonition, uh, admonition to the uh, ad, admonition yeah, to the youth of the nation of both sexes. Possibly think that, that, so that catchy title, the pamphlet, was a massive success. 
part harbinger of disease and death, part titillating pornography, thus cleverly helping to spread the very disease it warned against, suspiciously to see the pamphlet was sold hand in hand with the medicine required to cure the many maladies that self-abuse supposedly caused. It was blatant and obviously obvious quackery. The Kinsey Report of 1953 concluded that 90 to 95% of men masturbate in their teens and 20s. Kinsey's claimed that uh, this, there was a minority of men who choked the chicken, not his turn, more than 23 times a week with no noticeable ill effects. Considering this, it's amazing that over the next few decades the idea in this ridiculous pamphlet was embraced by science and medicine. The work that would have been most influenced thought on the subject was onanism or a treatise on the maladies produced by masturbation written by a reputable Swiss doctor called Samuel August Tissot in um, 19, uh, 1758. Friedman summarises the work listing the consequences of self-pollution as weakening of the digestive and respiratory apparatus, sterility, rheumatism, tumours, gonorrhea, priapism, prolonged erections, and an often irreversible decline of the immune system up to and including blindness and insanity. One of the patients died, dried out his brain so thoroughly via masturbation, Tiso claimed, it could be heard rattling around in his skull like a rotten walnut. Believe me, that hasn't happened to my, my brain still very moist. Tissot's views were embraced by such luminaries as Rousseau and Diderot, and his work became an international bestseller. One might wonder how such educated and enlightened men could make these, nonsense, could make these nonsensical claims. The theory derived from a power in the belief, that, the belief in the power of sperm. Perhaps noting how all men are weakened and lethargic after orgasm, it was a small leap to argue that the unnecessary and regular loss through masturbation will have a cumulative effect. Tissot called semen the most important liquor, which must be called, might be called the essential oil of the animal liquors. He claimed that loss of one ounce of semen was equal to the loss of 40 ounces of blood. How he arrived at such a spurious figure is not particularly clear, though one might observe that someone can bleed a fair amount before they collapse, whereas one good orgasm can usually do the trick. If you keep exhausting the supply before it can be replenished, which is obviously eminently possible through masturbation, how many men remember those glory days of youth when the sixth wank in an hour would seemingly produce little more than a spray of dust? And then you were heading for disaster, and according to Tiso, masturbation was merely more pernicious than excesses with women because it relies on imagination, leading to the overheating of the brain. Uh, it takes no imagination to have sex with an actual woman, but if you have to make it up, it does a little bit. Tiso's views were particularly embraced by the Americans, which, as we've seen in the last chain uh, we've seen before, led to the unexpected and not insubstantial effect of the routine circumcision of the Yankee Wangy. You can find out about that. In the show about circumcision, there's an argument that American boys were circumcised to prevent them from masturbating. Uh, there was another surprising influence on the diet of the Western world. John Kellogg theorised that bodily overheating could be kept in check by eating uninteresting and bland food. He invented Kellogg's cornflakes, and for similar reasons, his contemporary Sylvester Graham came up with the Graham's crackers. Uh, Graham controversially claimed health does not absolutely require that there should ever be an emission of semen from puberty to death though the individual live in a hundred years, in order to diminish uh, sexual feelings of masturbation. It's surprising that Kellogg's didn't use this fact in their advertising campaigns. Have you forgotten how bland they taste? Kellogg's cornflakes, the one thing guaranteed to get you down in the morning. It's fittingly ironic that the logo for Kellogg's cornflakes is a gigantic cock. Thankfully, medical science eventually moved on from such theories, though as we've seen, the rumour still persists to these days, to this day. The true cause of tuberculosis, one of the most commonly espoused consequences of wanking, became known. Neurology moved on and so mental disorders were better understood. It's also worth remembering that in the 18th and 19th centuries, infant mortality rates were much higher. As these came down, it became clear that bacterial infections, not masturbation, have been the real cause of early youthful demise. Guilt and shame still persisted into the 20th century, as did the age-old no 
notions of masturbators being lowly perverts, perverts who couldn't get it anywhere else. Uh, Freud added his unhelpful tuppence worth. Masturbation, he opined, uh, contributes to the substitution of fantasy objects for reality. This is rich coming from a man who believed that he lived in a world where all women envied him for having a penis. Despite the proliferation and success of pornographic magazines and websites, many men still fear, still fear admitting they've partaken in this harmless occupation. It is the self-love that dare not speak its name. Perhaps it's the fact that we carry it out in pub private that makes the discovery all the more shaming. I asked men, have you ever been caught masturbating? And about a third of men have, uh, which proves that two thirds of men in the world have worked how to use a lock. Yet even those who are caught in the act will try to pretend there's a perfectly innocent explanation. Here are some of the more imaginative and improbable excuses I got from the survey. Asked about 15, I was at it in my bedroom. At age about 15, I was at it in my bedroom when my mum burst in unannounced. I managed to cover up, but she was still pretty obvious. It was still pretty obvious that my jeans were undone. She asked rather naively, "What are you doing?" To which I replied slightly weaking, weakly, just tucking myself in. Fortunately, she was too embarrassed to point out that it would be somewhat unusual to tuck myself in whilst lying spread-eagled on the bed. Another guy says, My mum walked in. Fortunately, I was slightly out of her line of sight, kneeling on the floor behind my bed. She said, What are you doing? And I said, Getting changed. And she sort of made a sour dog face, which meant, Yeah, right. Mother saw the silhouette of me masturbating through the blinds of my bathroom window. My brother made an excuse for me. He said I was texting on my phone. Uh, a female friend saw me through the window. I claimed to have been playing Tetris, which in a way you are. I think we just witnessed the birth of a fantastic new euphemism there. Of course, for those of you in relationships, being found in the throes of self-fulfilment can be seen as a terrible insult. An ex-girlfriend walked in. She was a bit fucked off as we hadn't had sex in a while and took it as a sign that I was losing interest in her. I tried to explain that it had about as much significance as brushing my teeth. It can be hard for women to realise that, for many men, a wank is just a way of passing some time. It's not necessarily a reflection on their sexual attractiveness. Surprisingly, it's not just women who think this, though. Men can be just as guilty of such jealousy. The only person who caught me has been my partner of nine years. It was soon after we'd started dating. He had a key to my apartment and showed up unexpectedly. I guess I was so into stroking my cock I didn't hear him enter. When he walked into my bedroom and saw me masturbating to a gay porn mag, he was shocked and hurt. He wanted to be the only one to turn me on. Occasionally, we can be insensitive to the feelings of our loved ones. I was caught wanking by a girlfriend during the free 10-minute porn on satellite. She was upset, but I still finished. You only get 10 minutes. Some men have been more understanding partners and are possibly more secure in their relationship. Uh, some men have more understanding partners. My girlfriend saw me, lost a smile, and told me to go, go on as she watched. Sweet. My girlfriend had, had, has caught me loads of times, which was nice. She always finishes the job off for me. Cool. Only my wife, she took over and made me come over her bum. Oh. Hmm. Uh, take note, jealous lovers. I'm guessing these guys will never leave their partners. Perhaps what is challenging to the more insecure lover is the power of the masturbatory imagination. I remember being asked by one girlfriend if I thought about other women while I was masturbating. I refused to answer the question for fear of incriminating myself. I didn't have the heart to tell her not only did I do this, I also thought about other women when we were having sex. Which might be why we're not going out with each other anymore. Uh, lucky for my wife. Uh, in any healthy relationship, I think both partners have to understand that fantasy is normal and harmless and probably helpful as a release valve. A person who's too insecure to acknowledge they will never be sexually attracted to anyone else is deluding themselves. 
It's whether you act on the fantasy in reality that is the issue. And I think, if we're honest, many of us would balk from actually go, going through with most of the disgraceful things that our minds can envisage while in the grip of masturbatory reverie. Yet, after all my research, what I find interesting is that all the opponents of masturbation, whether they be priests or scientists, parents or lovers, insane psychoanalysts or manufacturers of tasteless cereals, the recurring reason for their objection is the power of the imagination. Practically all opposition is based on the inability of others to control what goes on in our heads. Our parents are uncomfortable with the idea of us approaching sexual maturity and will soap our pyjama flies to try and maintain, maintain our childhood innocence. The religious resent our ability to break every law in the book without fear of being observed. Our lovers know we can betray them in our minds and even the liberal thinkers of the Enlightenment saw it as a challenge to intellectual purity. Perhaps the army in the 1950s continued lectures on the dangers of self-abuse because it was the one arena that they could exert no control over their unwilling recruits. So ultimately, far from being physically or psychologically damaging, playing Tetris it's good, isn't it? uh, is the ultimate expression of personal freedom. It's a private and harmless revolution against the restrictions of state, church and spouse. While it's not as emotionally or spiritually satisfying as making love with another person and thus should not become one's only sexual outlet, it's nonetheless a great way to relieve the tensions of modern life and fill in the time between the end of the ne of neighbours and the start of Simpsons. The Simpsons. So let's make that the end of pointless and the start of the Simpsons uh, on channel on, on Sky TV. Anyway, ah, oh, whatever. If nothing else, it's a great practice for when you get get the opportunity to try the real thing. And even the most successful athletes have to practice every day. Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all, and that is a fitting tribute to the life of Whitney Houston. Um, so that is chapter five of my book, Talking Cock, which you can get from GoFasterStrike.com. Um, but uh, let's have a look. Uh, the uh, Yes, I'm just going to... I forgot what I was, I forgot I was doing, the, doing a podcast there for a sec. Um, uh, the, the tour's going really well. Um, we're over halfway through now. As I said, the uh, DVD was recorded in London last weekend two sell-out shows, which was fantastic in the nice little big Bloomsbury Theatre. I think it's going to make a great DVD. Uh, should be out in maybe July with a bit of luck. Um, I've been in Dublin, which was fantastic, and Cheltenham. Even been to Nantwich, yeah, which is an amazing place, and Sutton Coalfield. Uh, so what's coming up, though, is um, Didcot on Thursday the 18th of April. Uh, that's still in pretty well, but still a few tickets left. Uh, the Warwick Arts Centre in Coventry on the 21st of April usually sells out. There's still some tickets left for that. Colchester on the 24th of April. I think that has sold out, but get in touch with the theatre for returns. Folkestone on the 25th of April. Southend on the 26th. And then two gigs in Norwich on the 27th and the 28th at the Playhouse. A new gig and added on the 28th. So that one's got quite a lot of tickets left, but the 27th, I think, is practically sold out. Uh, a few more coming in May, but we're getting to the end of the tour, so it'd be lovely if you could come along if you've enjoyed these podcasts. Um, I would love to. I'd love to uh, see you at one of the gigs, or if you want to buy the DVD, that would be fantastic. Um, I'll, I've actually got a, a slightly reasonable uh, poem uh, to read to you from someone. The, uh, all the poems that have been sent have been terrible. Uh, this one, I think, is uh, is all right. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, it's from Joe Smith. He's the poet who wrote this. He's, he says, I'm enjoying the podcast. I hope you're still take, taking penis poems. Little smiley face. I think I hope that's a smiley face. Could be a sort of balls and a strange uh, horizontal cock. Uh, My penis is like the horse meat scandal by Joe Smith. My penis is like the horse meat scandal. It makes the British public complain. My penis is like a copy of Viz. 
I get it out to look at, out, look at on the train. My penis is like Pinocchio's nose. It grows bigger with my lies. My penis is like the film E.T. When my wife sees it, she cries. My penis is like a gangster rapper. It'll never leave the hood. My penis is like my language. I don't keep it clean like I should. So well done, Joe Smith. Out the several poems we've had. That's the best one. And uh, a guy called Jim doesn't want me to give his second name, and I don't want to either. They've been I mean, the the emails I've had this week are approaching uh, sort of readers' wives levels. Uh, someone um, emailed to tell me about uh, it's a too long story to to read out, but uh, emailed about a time where he, as a younger man, he managed to get off with a thirty-year-old friend of his and uh, was a bit overexcited so went to the toilet to have a wank hoping he could uh, then recover in time if he uh, gave her a little bit of oral sex uh, for 10 minutes but she didn't want to do that and so he ended up failing to have sex with this woman that he'd been trying to get off with for a long time it's quite an interesting story and, and, a, and a you know a typical problem for men uh, sometimes wanking off can be a good thing but we've seen some some someone some, was it ever some? There's something about Mary. That's what it's called, isn't it? There's something about Mary. Um, you'll know that there's a danger uh, to uh, to doing such a thing before a date. It's probably best just to allow yourself to come quickly and then recover and try again in an honest fashion, rather than dashing off to a toilet and then screwing everything up. Uh, but Jim uh, has uh, got a masturbatory story, so I'll read that out for you. About six or seven years ago, that I feel dirty reading this out. And I, you know, and I think it's. I don't want to start thinking that people are at home masturbating to this podcast. If you are, stop that. You disgust me. Oh no, that's just made you like it more, hasn't it? Oh no. What can I like you masturbating? Oh, that's helped as well. What can I? There's nothing I can do. You're such perverts. There's no way I can get around this. Stop wanking off to my podcast. Stop it. You're on the bus. Ah, and then I got off the bus. About six or seven years ago, says Jim, I discovered the dragon fruit as an enjoyable and tasty little post in a snack. Not sure what the proper way of eating one is, but my way is to lop the top off, hard-boiled egg style, and scoop out the fruity goodness from within. One evening, I was on my own in a house, and having just consumed a dragon fruit, noted that lengthwise it wasn't too far shy of my erect todger. Gives probably more information about Jim than you wanted to know. Anyway, one thing led to another. I had a wonderful wank with my dragon fruit glove, its juices flowing and making my lower regions all wet and sticky. See, that's what I mean. That's the bit. It just becomes a little bit too... Uh, don't know if this is unusual, funny enough for your podcast, but I thought I'd share it with you anyway. So you just you, there's a man just emailing me. I won't give his second name, but I might tell the police about it. He's just emailing me to tell me he's wanked off in a fruit and it made it all wet and sticky and he's trying to make me imagine that. He's getting off on it. Now he's wanking now with a dragon fruit on the end of his cock listening to this. Me talking about a dragon fruit. This is like, what? Well, I'm not the fucking 0898 service here for you people. And if I am, give me some fucking money. I don't want to just be used as your whore. Anyway, it's my own fault for doing this stupid show and this stupid podcast. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that extract from my book and the poems and the stories from some of my... Listeners, if you want to email in uh, herring1967 at gmail.com. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about next week. Do I have any ideas? Um, maybe we'll talk about the history, more history. I might give you another reading from my book, maybe the history of, uh, of the penis, because that's quite an interesting thing as well. I'm running out a little bit of uh, things to talk about. We've only got a few more weeks of this. Um, but uh, So do email in. If you've got any questions, I'm happy to have a go answering them. If you've got any stories, probably not about penile injuries. We've had a lot of those. Um, but 
And if you want to just go and fill in the questionnaire, go to richtown.com. If you want to find out about the tour, richtown.com. Uh, click on the poster. There's lots of exciting things happening. I've got been my other podcast, uh, the Less Square Theatre podcast, is returning. It's recently been nominated for a Sony Award for Best Comedy Radio Show, which is kind of incredible. Um, so do go to richtown.com, and you can, if you're enjoying all these free things, then you can get along to either see a show, buy a DVD from Go Faster Stripe, buy a book from Go Faster Stripe. Come along to Rich Chang's Less Square Theatre podcast and we might be selling video downloads of that show as well. So look out for that. Um, but if you don't want to pay any money for using me as a sort of escort service for your wanking uh, or for just giving you information about penises, um, you don't have to. It's okay. It's cool. So, um, yeah, well, I'll see you next week. I'll be back. So it'd be lovely to see you in Didcot uh, or Warwick Arts Centre uh, coming up very soon. Uh, and uh, thank you for listening I'm going to go now I hope you enjoyed my stalk wing ding pod no rod mast I am dick hard blur blurring cock thank you goodbye